Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to be out here together, and, and, and how cool is it that not only do we get to be out here together, but we're still able to, uh, to have people join us online, and so we've got, um, although people online can't see us, there's a camera sitting here, and everybody else is like avoiding it because they want to be in the shade, uh, but it's, it's so cool that we can do this, right, that we can gather together, we can worship together. And as we go this morning, we're, we're working our way through Acts. We're in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12. And over the past two months, as we've started this study through the book of Acts, uh, we've, we've, Luke, the author, kind of picked up the story right after Jesus' death and resurrection. We, we see the ascension of Jesus, and we see the disciples gather together, and the Holy Spirit come and share. And, and after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the disciples go on, they're just sharing the good news with all the people in Jerusalem, right? They're sharing about the, the fact that Jesus was God's Messiah and that his death and resurrection have secured for us salvation. They're, they're constantly sharing that news. And then in the past couple weeks, we've seen the, the, this per, persecution begin to, to happen, right? That, that people are, are starting to, uh, to mistreat uh, the followers of Jesus because of, of what they're saying. And because of who they are and, and what they believe. And we see God starting to root out hypocrisy within his church. Well, in today's passage, this persecution is going to continue. We're going to talk about, before we get that, there's this, there's this little piece where we begin to get a glimpse at the fruit of the faithfulness of, of God's early church, of the followers of Jesus. And so we pick up our, our passage today in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more women and men believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. You see, the disciples have been encouraged as they saw God at work, as they, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as the disciples um, were sharing, they were seeing the fruit of what they were doing. And they've been encouraged as Peter and John the first time when they were thrown in jail and released, and then Peter and John came and shared with them. They were encouraged by that, and what we see in this little passage here is we see the answer to prayer, right? Because if you remember Acts 4, verses 29 through 31, when Peter and John came back to the disciples and shared with them what God did, the believers all prayed, and this is what they prayed. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were filled with boldness. Then the Holy Spirit filled them. And we see the fruit of what they were doing. Right? They proclaimed the gospel boldly. And God was at work. Lives were being transformed. People were being healed as they encountered the gospel. You see, the disciples knew the word of God. They were meeting daily together, reading God's word, studying God's word together. They knew it. And it's almost like a picture of what we see in Psalm 1. 
Psalm 1 says, those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. The disciples were committed to the word of God. They were proclaiming it boldly and they were living it out. And we see God at work. When the church, when the people of God are obedient and submit themselves to him and let their lives be transformed by the gospel, things happen. But then we get to the heart of the story today and Although we see people's lives constantly transformed and we see more and more people added to the churches, more and more people believe that Jesus is who he says he was, they run into opposition. And so picking up the, the story in verse 17, it says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door. When we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what might this lead to. And then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So we see more persecution. More ill treatment, more mistreatment simply because the disciples were proclaiming the truth of Jesus. They were meeting publicly, proclaiming the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. That his death, that his resurrection was our only hope for salvation. It was the only hope for Israel, for forgiveness of sins. And the religious leaders get angry. They get upset, so they arrest him. They throw him in jail and... And, and this is one of those just little crazy stories, right? In the midst of this story, in the middle of the night, an angel comes and releases him from jail and says, hey, tomorrow, just come back and, and do the same thing. Keep talking about Jesus. And so they do it. And so as the religious leaders gather to, to interrogate the disciples and figure out what they're going to do, they go to the jail. And it's empty. 
I mean, I, I can't imagine those guards standing there thinking they have the easiest job in the world. They just have to stand in front of a locked door. And the door is open and there's nobody inside. And somehow the disciples got out. So they go back and they're like, what are we going to do? The, the disciples escaped. They probably are off running. And somebody goes, they're, they're right outside teaching again. They're out telling people about Jesus again. They're just in the temple doing what we keep telling them not to do. So they bring him in and they interrogate them. You see, the, the disciples, they didn't go picking fights. They didn't go looking for trouble. They weren't out there trying to create some religious reform. They were just proclaiming the truth about Jesus. They wanted everybody else to know what they knew, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had come to give them hope, that he had come to give them new life, that he had come to rescue them. And trouble found them. So the question that I think this passage causes us to ask is, what do people do in the face of persecution? Right? How do people respond? And, and when it comes to the gospel, really, there's kind of three responses that we see in this passage. The first one, we're not really going to talk about because it's, it's the religious leaders who persecute. They, they wanted to stamp this thing out. Right? The, the religious leaders saw something happen. They saw the apostles and they wanted to get rid of it because it, it threatened their way of life. So they, they, they persecuted. There's two other responses that I, I want to wrestle with today because I think there, there are choices. And the first one we see is the disciples. You see, in the face of persecution, the disciples had clarity in their purpose. They knew what they were all about. They got their orders from God. Right? They understood that to be true, that, that Jesus had given them instructions to proclaim the truth of the gospel, that he was the hope of the world. And so that's what they did. They didn't care what happened to them. They didn't care. We saw that in a couple chapters, in chapter four, right? When Peter and John, the first time, when they healed him, and they were told not to talk about Jesus. They said, who are we to obey? God are you. And that's Peter's response here again. Verse 29, he said, we must obey God rather than human beings. We have to obey God. And they were reinforced. The angel reminded them when he released them. He's like, keep doing what you're doing. Tomorrow morning, come right back here and continue to teach the people about the good news of Jesus. The disciples had clarity. They had purpose. They were on a mission. It reminds me of Psalm 56. And in that, that psalm, this phrase is repeated a couple of times in the psalms. It talks about being beaten down and broken. This is the psalmist's response. He says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere men do to me? That's what the disciples' response was. Do what you want to us. It doesn't matter. What can you do to me? I'm going to obey God. I have to obey God. The disciples were clear in their mission. They understood that God was their authority and they were submitting to him. Period. And it affected everything they did. It affected every decision they made. It controlled every 
thought that they had that God was supreme, that he had authority in their life, that he called the shots and they were going to do what he said. And that's why daily they spent time reading his word. That's why they spent daily time together teaching and learning more about who God is and what he called for us to be. They studied his word because it was the authority in their life. And it shows because their lives look different. They have been changed. They've been transformed. And the whole city was paying attention. Because there was such a difference that was seen by those who were following Jesus. And there's this genuineness about them. The way that they interacted with others. The way that they lived. The way that they truly cared for one another. The way that they loved people. The way that they ordered their life. It was clear that there was something different. And it wasn't just a show. It wasn't just a routine that they did. It wasn't an obligation. There was, it was genuine. And so the city took notice. And so as they take notice, there's this other group that we see. Because right? if you look back at verse 13, it said, No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Everyone saw what the disciples, what the followers of Jesus were doing daily in the temple and throughout the city. And they took notice of it. And so we see when this conflict arises, there's those persecuting. We see the disciples who have clarity of purpose who are saying, we're going to do what God says. And then there's this third group. And this other group is what I think a lot of people do. And I think their response is best demonstrated or described as kind of a, a wait and see approach. I'm just going to watch what happens. And we see what's going on and, and I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my decision later. And, and this approach we, we see in the next couple passages, it's, it's actually prescribed by one of the, the Pharisees, one of the leaders, one of the rabbis named Gamaliel. And so as the Sanhedrin's meeting, and, and, and again, you see, hear the disciples say, proclaim the truth, say, we're going to obey God. And the leaders are, are furious and want to kill them. But we pick up the story in verse 34, and it says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutius appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose is acti or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You only find yourselves fighting against God. And so Gamaliel's advice to the leaders is, don't be rash. Wait and see. We, we've seen this play out lots of times in history, right? Where, where some charismatic leader gathers people to some cause, and, and, and it looks like it's going to be something, but then it just kind of falls apart. It doesn't last. 
And, and he shares two specific examples of where that has happened in the past. And he says, if this is the same thing, if these are just, this is a man-made thing. This Jesus was just some guy. And his father, eventually this is just going to run his course. But if this is from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And you're just going to be fighting God. But not everybody listened to him. And we see it because persecution continued. In fact, one of his own disciples, Gamaliel's own disciples, a guy named Saul, who we come to know as Paul, completely disobeyed this advice because he went on an all-out spree to just shut down the church, killing people, persecuting, throwing them in jail. And others did the same thing. But, but some people listened. And some people still do. Right, because Gamaliel's advice had wisdom, right? All of this stuff was new, right? How do, how do we know this is real? Was Jesus really who he claimed to be? He says, again, if this was just a man-made idea, it wouldn't last. And so let's wait and see. And so there's wisdom in that. But as I mentioned, as, as we talk about this idea of of wait and see in that approach, that there's still people who take that approach with Jesus. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to check this out. I'm just going to observe. I'm just going to kind of hang out on the edges and see. And here's the thing. Although Gamaliel's advice had wisdom for that time, for the Pharisees to just leave him alone and watch and see, we don't have that same luxury. Because right? we have so much more evidence. We have so many years of evidence. We have, we have this whole church history, even though it's, it's marred with so many misdeeds and so many mistakes. The church has faithfully carried the hope of the gospel. The same hope that carried the disciples. The church is proclaiming the good news about who Jesus is and what he did. And that hasn't changed. And so each of us are faced with this choice. What are we going to do with Jesus? Because it all boils down to that. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to take the approach of the disciples and say, I'm all in. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to surrender to him. He has authority in my life. I'm giving everything over to him because I trust in what he did for me because I can't do it on my own. I need the cross. I need the forgiveness that Jesus provides. Or are we going to try to ignore him, to wait and see, to live our own life in, a, in our own way and kind of keep God at arm's length? But the reality is when we try to do that, when we just take that wait and see approach, I'm just going to, I'm going to do things my way and just kind of keep my eyes open. Really what that is, it's a denial, a denial of who God is, because if God is who he said he is. If Jesus is who he said he was and did what he would believe that he did, then our only choice is to surrender to him. Are we going to acknowledge him as Lord? Are we going to surrender our will to his? Or are we going to deny him and do things our own way? That's the choice that we're faced with. The disciples made their choice. 
They were going to do things God's way. They got their orders from God. And so here, look what happened. Gamaliel's speech, this is verse 40, persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They made a choice that they were going to do things God's way, that they weren't going to bend to man's instructions. They were doing what God told them to do regardless, no questions asked. And as a result, they were beaten and told to stop talking about Jesus and let go. And, and by beaten, I mean that they were whipped. I, and, and by whipped, we mean this is probably the 39 lashes. Right? Just like Jesus received the, they, 39 lashes with a whip that tore the flesh off of their back, that, that caused them to be bleeding and broken. So as they walked away needing medical attention with the, the skin on their back hanging in shreds, what did they do? They rejoiced because they were considered worthy. They rejoice because they have, been, they have been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. You see, here's the big idea for today. When, when we surrender our will to Jesus, when we commit ourselves to doing things His way, when we give God control, we, we should expect suffering. If, for no other reason, because Jesus said we would. John 15, verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, you would, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And so if we surrender ourselves to Jesus and, and count him as the authority in our life, if we do things God ways, then we can expect suffering. Now, we're not going to get whipped. Right? We're, we're probably not going to get thrown in jail. But we will suffer. And so the question is, what does that suffering look like for us? And it really comes down to this. When we hold to the truth of the gospel, it brings us into opposition with the world around us. Again, like the disciples, we're... Our, our call is not to go out searching for fights and searching for trouble. We're not going out causing conflict, going out and, and, and picking fights with people. But rather, we should live in submission to the Word of God. We should live in such a way that people see Jesus because people's issues isn't with us. It's with Jesus. The world is opposed to Jesus. It's opposed to His way, right? Because... Jesus calls us to this point of decision. Is, is it his way or our way? So we should live in a way that people see Jesus. Again, looking back at the disciples example from verse 13. No one else dared to join them. Even though they were highly regarded by the people. People saw something different about the disciples. They saw that they were living out the gospel. They were living out what the Bible told them to do. They looked different. And they were highly regarded. And yet people were afraid to join him. 
Because they knew that it meant a choice. They knew that it meant surrendering their way of doing things. It knew that, they knew that it put them in opposition with the world around them. You see, there's this unique contradiction, it seems. Because if as followers of Jesus, we live out the gospel, if our lives are completely defined by the word of God, we live in submission to it, then, then the world is going to hate us because they see Jesus, but they're, we're going to be highly regarded because, man, if, if we live out the gospel, then we care for people. We submit to authority. We love people. We sacrifice for other people, right? That's what the gospel calls us to do, is to love other people the way that Jesus loved us. And Jesus loved us to the point where he died for us. That should define the church. People who love without limit, care for people. Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. You see, we worry too much about what people think and not enough about what God thinks and what God says. If we want to be people who imitate the early church, then we've got to be sold out to the gospel. We need to be sold out to this idea that God is the authority in our life. And what he says matters. Here's a little bonus point in this story. Is as the believers face persecution, did you see what one of their little secret tools was? They had this thing that helped them through it. They had one another. The disciples didn't suffer alone. They had one another. They were together in this. And, and the same is true for us. Church, we've been given one another. So don't face this life alone. Don't face this world alone. We, we're called to care for one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to equip each other. And we need that more and more and more as, as we surrender to Jesus and our lives become in conflict with the world around us. When we live contrary to the world because we're submitting to God, we need one another. So I'll leave you with this question to ponder. Do we suffer well? Do we suffer well? First off, are we suffering? Are we, are we suffering not because we're causing our own problems, but are we suffering because we're, we're living God's way that's bringing us in, in conflict with the world around us? And when that happens, do we suffer well? Do we complain and, and, and cry about our freedoms or the mistreatment that's happening to us? Do we complain that, that it's not fair? Do we whine? Do we give in? <clears throat> or are we like the disciples who considered it an honor to suffer? Do we consider it a, 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 an amazing privilege to be disgraced for the name of Jesus? Church, that's really the challenge that we face. That's the challenge that's before us. What are we going to do with the gospel? Are we going to live in submission to God's word and allow him to have authority and call the shots in our life? Come what may. And if and when we suffer, we consider it a privilege and an honor to be disgraced for the name of Jesus. Or are we going to turn our back on Jesus and do things our own way?
as a church, are we showing the world Jesus? Because we're allowing the gospel to transform our lives, to reflect him, and point people to the hope that we have in Jesus. Because that's what it means to be the church. We want to be a church that constantly points people to Jesus, points people to the hope that we have found. I can't explain everything to you, but I can tell you this, that Jesus has rescued me and he's changed my life. And I want to share with all of you that same hope. That should be our approach, to love people like Jesus loved us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that that the, the same hope that the disciples clung to, that, that transformed their lives, that carried them through all the persecution they faced, is the, is the same hope that we have. That Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are God's Son, that your death and resurrection is the hope that we need. The forgiveness of sins, the, the gift of new life. And so, Jesus, we, we just want to come before you and, and, and acknowledge that you are Lord. We want to surrender to you and give you control in our lives. We want to live lives that reflect you. We want to point people to the hope of the gospel. That you are still at work. That you are still in the business of rescuing people, of changing lives, of, of, of bringing death to life. And so we worship you today, Jesus. And we ask that you would just continue to teach us to follow you. To equip us to be obedient to you. To, to mold us, to change us, to reflect you. And that your name would be made great. And the world would see you. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.